because he had but he had to die for since. Because he loved us. Um, because the other bad guys not want you guys to have some people there with them to save us from our sins because he loved us. He had to he had to save us from our sins. I don't know how that one got in there. He's already smarter than his dad, though. I can tell you that. So uh, you heard a common answer in there, though. And the common answer, you know, we're going back to the basics of why did Jesus have to die? And the common answer that you heard um, is he died for our sins. And, and really, the, the question might come up of, well, why did he have to die, though? Like, is there any other way that that could have happened? And what we have to trust is that if there was any other way, God would have done it. But because Jesus had to come and die on the cross, there, there is no other way. That, that is the only way for us to be saved. Because you look all the way back at creation, and you have God making everything, and then he gets the crescendo of it all by making man and woman in his image, and then they're in the garden, and everything is perfect until Genesis chapter 3, where you get the fall, 
where the serpent comes and deceives the woman and Adam was right there next to her and he, he didn't speak up. And so they both eat of the fruit. And then notice the first thing they do when they fall short, when they, when they have sinned against God, it says their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. And so what they tried to do is they tried to cover their own nakedness and their own shame by taking some plants and making their own clothes. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, you get this verse. God made for them garments of skin and he clothed them. So right away at the very beginning of it all, you have man trying to cover over our own sins. But you see right away it is impossible for man to do that, that God has to do it for us. And, and God had to shed blood in order for that to be done because Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 22, it says, indeed under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. But then Hebrews chapter 10, verse four goes on to say, animal's blood is not good enough for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And so what we see is that Jesus is the only way for us to have salvation, for us to be with God. And so this morning we're going to look at why. Why did Jesus have to die though? And kind of more than that, we're going to see what we get out of it because we're going to see that through Jesus dying, we get reconciliation. Through Jesus dying, we get redemption. And then through Jesus dying, we get a righteousness that is apart from the law. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 14 and read through verse 21. And I'm going to ask if you'll please stand for the reading of our text this morning, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. So Paul tells us, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. One has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. If you'll join me in opening in a word of prayer. Father God, we just come before you again. And God, we just thank you for everything that you have done for us. God, that you have taken away the sins of the world. And God, that you have made us, as Paul just said, new creations. 
So God, I just pray that as we kind of go back to the beginning of our faith, to the message of the gospel and what it means for us, God, may we just fall more in love with you. God, reveal yourself to us this morning. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So we see that Paul is telling us, he's saying Christ died for all, but there is a purpose behind this. In verse 15, he says, this is, this is the whole purpose of Jesus coming and dying. He says, Christ died for all so that you may live for him. You see, Paul tells us this in other areas in the Bible. He says, really, there is nothing insignificant about the Christian's life. That when you give your life over to Jesus, everything you do has a purpose. Everything you do is for the greater good. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Then he says in Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And so Paul, he's telling us that we have a purpose, that Christ died for all to give us a new purpose. But again, the question is, why did Jesus have to die? Why is it that it had to go through that? Because we've already mentioned it, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the death of Jesus, because the, the, de the, the, the blood of bulls and goats is never going to take away our sins. Jesus died so that we can live for him. Because through that, we have this new creation. Through that, we have this new identity through the death of Jesus. Without the death of Jesus, we are still in our sins. Without the death of Jesus, we are still trying to strive for a righteousness under the law. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter two, he says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You followed the course of this world. You followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all, every single one of us, once lived in the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, verse 5 goes on to say, made us alive, even when we were dead in our trespasses. You see, when God made us new creations, he gave us a new relationship. So the reason that Jesus had to die was to reconcile the world back to God, was to reconcile sinful, as Paul said, dead, slaves to our flesh and our mind, people back to God. You see, reconciliation is this kind of Christianese word where what we do is you, we're all familiar with forgiveness, where we're told that we have to forgive somebody. Jesus says, if somebody does an offense to you, forgive them. Even if six times they come back to you in that day and they say, I'm sorry, Jesus says, you forgive them every single time. But the thing is, is that forgiveness is kind of one-sided, that we are told to forgive somebody even before they do anything, 
even before they take a step towards us. Reconciliation, on the other hand, is two-sided. Because reconciliation means taking two people who were hostile against each other and reuniting or restoring the relationship. We're told to forgive no matter what the other person does. We're told to love our enemies even while they're still enemies. Now, reconciliation, that takes both parties coming together and seeking to be reunited under God. And so we see that God sought out reconciliation even while we were dead. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 5. He says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10, he goes on to say, for if while we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So not only were we, rec or were we enemies, Christ died and he brought us into his family. He brought us into a new creation, a new identity. God sought not only to forgive us, because, you know, I can, I can forgive somebody and stay totally distant from them. But what God did is he forgave us and he sought relationship with us. He sought to restore the broken relationship. He did everything in his power to reunite us with him. He sent his only son. That's, that's the gospel. It is that we were enemies of God. We were totally foreign to him. We were still in our sin. We were dead, but God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus tells us in John 17, three, this is what eternal life is, knowing God. Not just like knowing about God and being able to have historical information about God, intimately knowing God. So much so that Jesus says he must go so that the Holy Spirit can come because the Holy Spirit's not just going to be in our presence, he's going to be in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. That price is the blood of Jesus, that we get to come in and be with God in reconciliation, meaning we have complete relationship with him. You know, sometimes we like to reconcile like 80% of the way as human beings. We like to sit there and be like, you know what, I'll still hang out with you, but you stole my last eight power tools, so I'm not giving you another one. You know, I'll still, like, if I see you, I'll be like, hey, nice to meet you, nice to know you, uh, until we see each other in public again, but I'm not going to open up to you very much. That's not true reconciliation. Where Jesus seeks total reuniting with us, completely. It's not Jesus is there and he's like, you know what, yeah, I'll forgive you, but you're going to have to prove it. You're going to have to work for us to be on good relation. You know that whole Hebrews passage about let us with confidence approach the throne room of grace? It's not talking about, you know what, um, as long as you promise never to hurt me again, as long as you never break a law again, then you can come to me. I'm going to only halfway make things right. He says, no, 
Because of the blood of Jesus, we with confidence, even after we completely botch it, can go running full speed to God. And he is there to receive us because he 100% reconciles the relationship. Paul said that he got rid of our trespasses and through Jesus, he reconciled us back to him. The writer of uh, Psalm 103, David, he says this. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Paul says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He did all of this to receive us in. And, and you know, there's this thing about like, well, I haven't done that bad of things. And so it was easy for God to reconcile me because it'd be like, you know what? I just kind of told you a white lie. Little trust is shattered, but no big thing. But the thing that we have to realize is the depravity of where we were, the, the depth of how far we had fallen. Because you see, the severity of sin is determined by the one that you have offended. For example, I got a couple of examples for you. Say you go outside and I say something that you don't like and you key my luxurious Ford Focus. You know what, we're gonna have a little issue. It might actually spice the thing up a little bit, but it's not gonna be cool. Now, you go and key Heather's car, we're gonna have a little more issue. My car is worth like a thousand maybe, her car's worth a little bit more than that. You go find a brand new Lamborghini and you put that same key mark in it, you're gonna be paying out the wazoo. I mean, you're gonna pay a lot of money. It's the same offense, but you're offending a more valuable thing. Think about it this way. Maybe that one doesn't resonate with you. What about this? Again, you lie to me, a little trust is gonna be broken. You lie to your parents, you're gonna face a, a, a punishment. You lie to a judge, you're gonna be put in jail. You come onto my property, I'm gonna say, hey, you need to get off of here. You trespass onto a school's property without authority, you're gonna get arrested. You trespass on the White House, you're probably not gonna see much more life. The person that you are offending determines how severe the offense is. You're doing the same thing to all these people, but yet the severity increases. When you offend the almighty, holy, perfect God, I mean, it doesn't compare. When you say, oh God, it's only a little white lie. Yeah, maybe to me, but I am not the creator of the world. I am not the almighty God. So a little white lie to us, as Paul tells us, is deserving of death when you lie to God the Father. We have sinned against God. We need to see the severity of that sin. And when we see the severity of that sin, we see the sacrifice that Jesus made. And we see all much more the reconciliation that we have with God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory, not of man, but of God. And then Paul says the wages of that sin is death. He tells us we were on a one-way path 
to death. Romans 5, he says, Therefore, as our trespass led to condemnation for all men, one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. But by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. You see, through the sin of Adam, we all deserve death. And, you know, we might be able to point fingers at Adam, but none of us have lived a perfect life. If it wasn't Adam, it would have been me. And it would have been you because it is us. We daily fall short. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore, we deserve death. But that's the second thing, is that when Christ died, he delivered us from the bondage of sin and the payment of sin, death. He redeemed us. Romans 6, 6 through 8 tells us this. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin because before Jesus, we were slaves to sin. He says in verse 7, for one who has died has been set free or redeemed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Then verse 14, it says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. And then Paul says in Colossians 1, he says, he has delivered us, he has redeemed us from the dark domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. So that when we look at the severity of our offense, we see the depth of the love of God, that he bought us back. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You have been redeemed. Paul, he told us in our passage, verse 19, he said, let me find it. He said that, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see, God reconciled the world to himself by redeeming us from sin. You see, Romans 6.22 tells us that Christ redeemed us from the bondage of sin. He says, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you le get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. You have been set free from the bondage of sin. You have been redeemed. You have been redeemed from the penalty of sin. The next verse says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You have been redeemed from the guilt of sin, meaning that when I fall short, because it's going to happen, I know that Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I do not hold guilt because I know that God sees me in the way that he sees his son as perfection. And then he has redeemed us from the power of sin. 1 Corinthians 15, the, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the offense that we committed against God was deserving of eternal death. 
But again, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave his son as the price, as the ransom to be paid so that we could be redeemed back from sin. So we no longer follow the impulses of our body. Remember, Paul said, you were dead in the sins, in the trespasses in which you once walked. You followed the course of this world. You followed the desires of your body and the desires of your mind. And you were like the rest of mankind, children of wrath. But then we're told in Ephesians 5, 18, we're told that his Holy Spirit comes into us. And so we don't get drunk on wine because that leads us to just like random living. We're we're not in our sober thinking. But instead, he says, you let the Holy Spirit control you. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then in Galatians, he tells us, He says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are, these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when you are controlled by the Spirit, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So because we have been redeemed from the law and from the penalty of the law, death, and sin. We get to live in freedom in the Spirit of God. He said in verse 15, he said, oh my, yeah, he said, Jesus died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He says in Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set you free. You have been set free from it all. Christ redeemed you. So you have been reconciled. You have been redeemed. And the last thing is you have been declared righteous. Verse 21, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus, he took on human sin so that we can take on his righteousness. I mean, it's like the greatest trade ever. Like, I don't know if um, I tried selling my beautiful car for a moment and I put it on there. This is what I want on Marketplace. And if you've ever dealt with Marketplace, you always get these. Are you willing to trade for? And a lot of times you get like pieces of junk, which is what my car is. But, you know, you get like, hey, actually, Bonnie sold it to me. It's an amazing car. Um, (laughs) I do love that car. But anyways, you know, I have damaged it. Um, but you know, you get like, hey, will you uh, trade me your car for like this $20 scooter? And it's like, no. And what we got from Jesus is like him saying, hey, I'm selling a brand new Lamborghini. Like 
over $500,000. Let's go, like, I think a Bugatti is the most expensive car in the world, $4 million. And it would be like, here, you can have my Bugatti, and I'll take your Ford Focus. And, the, and it's like, who does that deal? But yeah, that's what Jesus gives us. He says, here, I'll take your sin, and you can have my righteousness. And it's like, uh, okay, deal. Like, let's do this. We get the righteousness of God. Jesus took on human sin so that we can take on his righteousness. Righteousness means that we get to stand before God in right standing. That he does not hold our sin against us. That when he looks at us, the, the fulfillment of the law has been paid. That he sees perfect people because we have his righteousness. Because in the Old Testament, to be right meant to keep the law. Don't steal, don't kill, don't covet, don't lie, don't a lot of things. But when we give our life to Jesus, Jesus covers that. And he says we get to stand freely before God so that, as Paul tells us, we can be found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's not based on your works. It's based on who is your faith found in. Paul says in Romans 3, he says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although... The law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, this righteousness is one that we can never earn on our own. Imagine, if you will, that Attached to our ceiling here, there was a million-dollar check written to whoever is able to jump up there and get it. That is kind of the ticket that we view heaven. It's like, okay, you know what? That's pretty hard to reach, but there's hundred so people in here. If we form a human pyramid, maybe I can achieve it. Or if I rip up pews or there's a ladder in the back, I can get it. And that's what we think about, like, our righteousness with God. Like, it's pretty difficult to do. But maybe if we work together, we can achieve it. And then maybe it's like, nah, that's ridiculous. It's more like, say, that million dollars was on the moon. And it's like, okay, only a select few people who have done the right amount of things, like Elon Musk, who has made a fortune, he can get there. And so maybe it's a righteousness that is only for those select people. But in reality, the righteousness of God Achieved on our own is like if you could reach the entire end of the universe. And it'd be like, that is light years away. You're dead before you get there. You're dead a thousand times over. And it's like, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you strive, you are never able to achieve the righteousness of God. And what scripture tells us is that that righteousness came to us. That Jesus came down. He who knew no sin took on sin so that we can take on the righteousness of God. He came down to dwell among us. Emmanuel, God with us. 
No amount of striving is ever going to get you there. Instead, it came through Jesus. And the only way to achieve that righteousness is through faith. It's apart from the works of the law. Paul said that. Verse 21, he said, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus had to die because it was the only way for our sins to be taken away. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And there is not a single thing we can do on our own except place our faith in Jesus. God did everything to reconcile us to him. But notice Paul said, I urge you, I beg you, I beseech you, you be reconciled to God. You give your life over to him. He's come all the way. All you have to do is receive it. And he says, you will be redeemed from the power of sin and the penalty, and you will receive the righteousness of God. Jesus died for all. For all mankind, Paul tells Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserves full respect that Christ Jesus came to die for all sinners of whom I am the worst. And then he also says that God desires for all men to be saved. That no matter what you've done in the past, no matter how vile and horrible you might think it is, you can be reconciled to God. You can be redeemed from your past and you can be given the righteousness of God. That through that you are perfected before God. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, he died for all so that now what you get to do is you get to live for him. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You're redeemed from your past and you are given a future, a hope, a purpose, and an identity. And if you are already receiving that, which I would probably say a vast majority of this room has done, then you get to continue living on for Christ. Whether you eat or drink or whether you work or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Live your lives as living sacrifices for him, which is your true and proper worship. And if you're not there, he says it's been offered. Righteousness has come down to us. It is found apart from any striving you can do. It is found solely in the work of Jesus so that you can have a new identity where Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. You are not a drug addict. You are not a pervert. You are not an addict of any kind, a cheat, a thief, whatever the world tries to define you. He says the old is gone and the new has come. Let us live to glorify God in everything we do. Father God, thank you for paying the price. God, thank you for giving your son so that we can be found righteous before you. God, thank you for, for paving the way. And so I just pray that we, as your body, now carry that message. As, as Paul said, 
we are ambassadors of Christ. That we are going out and telling the world that they can be right with you. And that is through the sacrifice of Jesus. So God, I pray that if there be anybody here who is not right with you, that they have not received faith in Jesus, God, work on their hearts. And then the rest of us who are living in that, may we just do it all for the glory of you. Whatever we do, God, may we shine your light in our lives. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.